0: Hello, beautiful women. Welcome to She Talks, a space to come home to your inner wisdom, which I call your she. I'm Sarah Von Stover, teacher of feminine spirituality and empowerment, best-selling author, and founder of The Way of the Happy Woman. I created this podcast to offer wisdom teachings, or dharma talks as they're known in the Buddhist tradition, through the distinct lens and voice of the sacred feminine. Because I believe that when a woman gets still and quiet enough to hear the voice of the divine within her, she can finally live true to herself and, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Throughout the month of January, I'm offering a special mini series here on the podcast called Disrupting the Divine Feminine. It includes five cutting edge talks, each offering usually unconsidered and sometimes controversial perspectives to shine a provocative light on the rise of the feminine that we're witnessing so much of in the world right now. And all of these talks are born from the intimate, ongoing relationship I have with my own she. Plus, I created this series in celebration of the opening of the She School, a nine-month spiritual leadership and lifestyle immersion that I've been leading for the past seven years to now thousands of women around the world. The She School promises to connect you to your feminine spiritual power, or your she, so you can birth a life you love and live it powerfully in 2018. It's a sacred space for us to explore in depth the topics that I share on this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about this year's She School journey, head on over to thesheschool.com. Now, my dears, it's time to circle up. Let's huddle together around the crackling bonfire of the wild, awake she. Welcome to Disrupting the Divine Feminine. Welcome home. Hello, hello. Welcome back to episode two in this mini-series on Disrupting the Divine Feminine. And if you missed episode one, I encourage you to go back and listen to that, because in it, I lay out what this series is about and set the larger overview, so it will give you a better context in which to hear this uh, second episode. This is being released on Martin Luther King Jr. Day here in the U.S., And it's really synchronistic that we're talking about what we're going to be talking about here today. And this is airing on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And I love synchronicities. So this really weaves wonderfully a really great living example of of the point that I want to make that I don't feel is being made in the realm of our conversation about the divine feminine. So imagine becoming the kind of human being who lives the kind of a life that a whole holiday is created in your honor. What does it take to become a human being like that? What kind of qualities would you need to embody and express on a daily basis and what kind of impact would your actions need to have on the world around you on the people around you I like taking time to ask these types of questions because they really these questions really light up our neocortex, which is the part of our brain that makes us human. And really, starting at around the age of 35, most of us were just hardwired in, <clears throat> excuse me, we're hardwired in to think in our usual grooves, to feel in our usual ways, to act according to habit. And we start to lose neuroplasticity. So it's really important to ask questions like this, to engage our imagination and to start to imagine different solutions, different ways of being so that you can keep recreating yourself throughout your life, you know, beyond the age of 35. And Martin Luther King Jr. was a man who did this. And as a result He birthed a whole new paradigm of what it means to be a human being. And he knew, he knew what Albert Einstein pointed out, that we cannot solve our problems with approaches at the same level at which we created those problems. And this was something I pointed out in episode one, same in the realm of of womanhood, We cannot move to the next level of womanhood from the same level where we are right now. And this creates some tension because we all struggle to think and and act outside of the prevailing context. Most of us are obsessed with the world of our senses, what we can see, what we can feel, what we can taste and touch. We think that what we can observe with our senses is all there is. Uh, when it's not. Reality is so much more. And we're in a time in history when we need another contextual shift. We need another transformation of what it means to be human. And this particular conversation that we're having here on the podcast, what it means to be a woman. Now, transformation, let's be clear about transformation. Transformation isn't about making something better or changing. It is about creating something entirely new. Now, back to Martin Luther King Jr. as our example, the civil rights movement, which he birthed, was this. It was the making of something entirely new. Because the prevailing context was extreme violence and discrimination. And no one thought to examine the context in which that existed. Uh, They just existed in it, just like a fish exists in water. It just seems natural. And then here comes Martin Luther King Jr. And he has a vision He has a dream. His dream is what has made him such an icon in history. Now, human beings have been around for about 200,000 years. And during that time, there's only been a couple of paradigm shifts. There's only been a couple of times where there were enough people standing for transformation of what it means to be human. Uh, one of those was with the the birth of the mechanical age, and uh, the other one was the civil rights movement. And both happened because enough people stood for something. Enough people put their lives on the line for something. They were willing to throw their hats over the fence, They didn't just have an opinion. They weren't just trying to change or make things better. They were standing for a whole new possibility of what it means to be a human being. So who was Martin Luther King Jr. being and what did he stand for to inspire the paradigm shift of the civil rights movement? Some of the qualities that come to mind for me, and I welcome you to add to them if there's others that I'm not mentioning, are peace, compassion, courage, conviction, justice, faith, equality, freedom, love. Now, here was a man who, like the Dalai Lama in present times, was urging us to love our enemies. Here was a man who was emulating the divine when those around him were doing the exact opposite. We've seen time and time again throughout history that when a human being stands for something greater than and different from the existing paradigm, they're persecuted. Just think of Joan of Arc, Jesus, Abraham Lincoln, Galileo, and now Martin Luther King Jr., to name a few. So Martin Luther King Jr. and other great figures from history who devoted their lives to causes greater than their individual selves, what else did they have in common? What else did they have in common? They exuded qualities of the divine masculine. They exuded qualities of the divine masculine. Now, I want to break this down for us cuz this is this is the this is the crux of this entire episode of why we women today need to be more like men we need to be more like men in order to bring about a paradigm shift of what it means to be a woman now this can be a bit of a brain tease right the first wave of the of the feminist movement really advocated that we need to be more like men, just advocating that we be more like the shadow side of men. And then later waves of the feminist movement are embracing, we need to be fully women. And I've been a part of that. And now I'm saying in order for us to be fully woman, We need to be more like men. We need to be more not like the shadow masculine that we were emulating with the shoulder pads and the pantsuits and working ourselves to exhaustion and just ignoring our cycles and all of that. We need to be more like the divine masculine, like these qualities these ways of being that figures in history like Martin Luther King Jr. like Joan of Arc exhibited. So let me explain. First, first we need to define the shadow masculine. I don't talk about the patriarchy. I don't post about it on social media, I don't write blogs about it, I don't mention the patriarchy when I'm teaching. I'm not interested in the patriarchy. Now, why is that? I know that there's nothing that exists outside of us that isn't also within us. When the patriarchy or the shadow masculine within each of us is loved into wholeness, we won't see it outside of ourselves in others' in the world anymore. Transformation is first and foremost, an inside job. An inside individual job. Now we need to tend to ourselves before pointing fingers at others. And let's, let's look, let's look more closely at what we're trying to identify within ourselves. Let's look at how to observe the patriarchy at work within our individual lives. What does the expressed shadow masculine look like for us? And I'm going to read a little list from the chapter called Marrying the Divine Masculine in my second book, The Book of She, where I really spell out the difference between the masculine excuse me, the divine masculine and the inner patriarch. So here are some signs that your divine masculine is in shadow. You're unable to set and maintain clear boundaries. You suffer from either repressed anger, which is a lot of shame, or you erupt in toxic volcanic rage. You suffer from a lack of self-discipline and are unable to follow through on your goals and dreams from start to finish. You have a weak ego, resulting in a strong inner critic, strong inner patriarch, a lot of self-doubt. You feel hypersensitive and carry within you a very volatile, vulnerable child. You experience crippling emotions that prevent you from consistently showing up in the ways that you long to in your life. You identify with being a victim and don't know how to face your challenges as a warrior. Your creativity feels dried up or non-existent. You're in a constant battle for control with your body. You tend to manipulate others to get what you want. You fear true intimacy. You often feel exhausted, depleted, and overwhelmed. You're a workaholic and your life is out of balance. You stay in abusive relationships. You're unable to earn, save, or manage your money. You're disorganized and often running late. Your actions don't align with your core values. You procrastinate. You feel confused about or disconnected from your life purpose. Now, I know that there's items on that list that we can all relate to. This isn't about berating ourselves or making us feel bad. It's about becoming aware. The first step for transformation is, is awareness. Now, I came into this field of women's empowerment because I wanted to heal the repercussions of this shadow masculine within myself. And most women that I work with, and to be honest that I know, struggle with these too. This is, this is like I was saying before, the water that we swim in right now in the world The enemy is operating within us. Yet there's so much resistance for us as women to cultivate the healthy masculine, to emulate the divine masculine. We just want to emulate the divine feminine. And in the She School, it's a nine-month program. We devote the entire eighth month the entire month of September to this topic, to marrying the divine masculine. And when we first get to that month, every year, every year, without doubt, there are a handful of women, a large handful of women, and who just don't want to go there. They want to keep cultivating the feminine. They want to keep cultivating more of the soft practices like the yin yoga or the self-care. They don't want to amplify their meditation practice, their stillness practice. They don't want to do more strength training or cardio or more things that require more exertion of will and body. And I understand that. We're all in different places. We all need different degrees of medicines along our journey. Yet ultimately, we all need both. We all need both of the divine masculine and of the divine feminine. And wholeness comes through this sacred marriage between the two within ourselves. One of the big the biggest fallacies for us as women is that we need someone outside of us to complete us. We need whether that's a man or another woman, that we need someone external to make us whole. And at the end of the day, at the end of the life, what is true is that we, uh, we come to recognition of our essence as whole, perfect, and complete when we realize that within ourselves nothing is lacking. Other terms that I like to use for this concept is to explore in our lives how the energies of mother love and father love operate. Two other words that we could use for those terms are love and rigor, love relating to mother love and rigor to father love. And we can just look at how we go about our days, times when we're really soft and gentle with ourselves, taking a nap if we feel tired, and times when we need to use our will to overcome something in our bodies or in our in our emotions if we're feeling depressed, saying, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to my exercise class no matter what. I always think about when I teach and in my work how I can strike the balance between rigor and love to really push people to press their buttons, to be demanding of them, demanding of their greatness and also to be really compassionate and really nurturing. Ultimately, I believe that great leaders have both. They have both rigor and love. They have both mother love and father love. They have both divine feminine and divine masculine. Some other examples of women in history who I feel strike this balance are Aung San Suu Kyi in Myanmar and Elizabeth I, as I mentioned earlier, Joan of Arc, Jackie O, Rosa Parks. You know, Do you think that This father love, this rigor, this divine masculine was needed for Rosa Parks to not get up out of that bus seat. You bet. What about Malala taking the bullet in her head? Divine masculine. If a woman wants to have an impact on the world around her, if she wants to live a life of meaning, she needs a strong expression and cultivation of the divine masculine within her. All right, so now let's turn to what are these qualities specifically. Let's define them. So again, this list comes from the book of She. Qualities of the divine masculine... Communicates his needs clearly and compassionately, even if they may initially evoke conflict. Sets boundaries, not barriers. Exerts his willpower and self-discipline as a means to realize his deepest longings and core values. Feels his heart without overindulging his feelings. Doesn't collapse into others' agendas. Never ever turns away from his truth. Creates the necessary structures and containers to actualize his purpose. In work, money, family, spiritual practice, relationships, health. Penetrates every moment fully with his direct yet spacious presence. Witnesses thoughts and feelings makes clear assertive decisions, serves selflessly, fiercely and loyally protects, provides for, and serves what and whom he loves most, remains courageous and imperturbable in the face of challenges, Takes consistent action arising from an integrated understanding of his intellect and intuition. Exerts his power without force or manipulation. How about that? How many of of you want some of those qualities, need some of those qualities? They're beautiful qualities. They help us. To live powerfully. You know, in the she school, I talk about how it's a place to birth a life you love and live it powerfully. You know, you birth it from the dream. You birth it from the vision. And then it takes guts. It actually takes balls to live that vision. It takes being like a man to stay the course. And the biggest thing that I see holding women back, the biggest thing that's holding them back is self-doubt. We give way too much credence to our thoughts and feelings. Like the thoughts, I'm afraid. I'm not ready. I don't know enough, or feelings of anxiety or overwhelm. Um doubt that, you know, we don't want to get on camera because there's something about our appearance that we're ashamed about. There's a never-ending list of ways that we keep second-guessing ourselves or talking ourselves out of going for it. Whereas men are trained to follow their instincts, men are actually trained to trust their intuition more than we are as women. And as women, we are the gatekeepers for intuition, we are the queens of intuition, but it's been educated out of us, it has not been educated out of men, men are deeply, for the most part, connected to their instincts, and trained to act in the face of risk, celebrated when acting in the face of risk, whereas we sit on the sidelines, and want to get everyone's approval first, we are, we're wanting the consensus to say, yeah, I think you should do this rather than just doing it because we know it's right. I read a article in Oprah's magazine, maybe it was a year ago, half a year ago, I don't quite remember, by Glennon Doyle. And she was describing a scenario with her teenage daughter, I believe, and some of her friends were over, A co-ed mix of boys and girls and Glennon came in and asked, all right, what do you all want to eat? And the guy said pizza and the girl said, I don't know, Uh, I guess pizza is okay. What do you, you know, they look to each other like, well, what do you want? And I could so relate to that. That is what we do as women. We don't just say like, yeah, I want pizza, or no, I want a burger, or no, I'm not hungry. We don't just say what's true for us. We, we look around and see what other people want and blend into that larger group opinion. That is not going to take us where we need to go. We need to more boldly speak what we want, speak what we believe to be true. We need to trust ourselves, to trust that we can dance between these polarities of rigor and love within ourselves. And if we get too far into one pole, that we can make it back. We're not going to get lost there forever. We need to be bigger than our thoughts and feelings to take bold risks. We need to be willing to throw punches and not pull them for the sake of the greater good. We need to stop asking for other people's opinions and approval. And we need to stop waiting until we feel ready or perfect, knowing that imperfect women have a right to use their voices and to make an impact in the world too. We need to you know follow that Nike slogan of just do it, just take the leap, be unreasonable. Being more like a man is the antidote to self-doubt. And being more like a man, it's not just a human man, it's it's the divine masculine, it's a face of the divine. And if you desire to do something, to be someone A part of you, the divine in you, knows that you can. If you can see it, you can be it. And spiritual practice, living as a spiritual being, living according to spiritual principles, it it is like a workout. It is a strength training. Confidence is a muscle. Every day we need to seat ourselves back in the remembrance that we are already large. Our desires are moving to us and through us from source. They are universal marching orders. They are part and parcel of the universe and you are universal intelligence. So to live more like a man means to live with the tenacity of Martin Luther King Jr. to be willing to trudge through that valley of darkness, to hold tight to your why, to never give up, to fall down nine times and get up ten, to know that you will persevere. Persevere. Sorry, you will persevere, and that we all have a bit habitual places where we want to stop, where we feel like we can't go on. We need to be like the man going out to the war zones, you know, crossing, crossing the threshold of what we think we're capable of doing and stepping out of the comfort zone. We need to be willing to keep faith much longer than the average person, to keep going much further than the average person, to risk being unpopular, to risk failure, and to know that when we have a breakdown, when we have a failure that it's only an opportunity for us to deepen our commitment to deepen our why to make that even bigger to expand the vision of why we're doing what we're doing and then a breakdown is just such an opportunity because it makes us stronger and then to have good boundaries to bring that vision into being to stay disciplined to anticipate discomfort, to strengthen our will. Your will is connected to your spirit. So the stronger your will, the stronger your spirit. And to really work the mind, strengthen your mind, knowing that mindset is a muscle. You have to stay on it. It's going to want to keep bringing you down, bringing you back to your old self, making you smaller, making you think that you can't do it, that you're not ready, that things are in your way. But what would it be like for you to make an unwavering decision to change? An unwavering decision to be the woman that you know you are born to be, to believe in a vision of yourself and your life, then is greater than what your senses see. Like Martin Luther King Jr., do you think that there were days when he woke up angry? When he woke up tired, not wanting to get out of bed, wanting to quit, doubting himself, thinking he was crazy, like who am I to do this? Having sleepless nights worrying? You bet. You bet. He was a human being. And yet, what separates victims from victors? What celebrates mediocrity from greatness? Perseverance. Tenacity. Being willing to be greater than your body greater than your emotions, greater than your environment, greater than your mind, being willing to close your eyes and see a vision for yourself, your life in this world that does not yet exist and do whatever it takes every single day through as many moments of the day as you can and on the days when you fail, waking up the next day and starting all over again to bring that vision into reality. Modern women, I've talked about women in history who embodied principles of the divine masculine. Some modern women is Daenerys Targaryen. She's you know, she's a fictional character. But she's a great representative of that in action for us to really feel it, sense it, see it. You can listen to my description of her in episode one of the series. Oprah. Uh, Glennon Doyle, whom I mentioned earlier. Wonder Woman from the film that came out in 2017. Marion Williamson. Malala. These women, they're not rigid, right? They're not from the first wave of feminism. They're not the shoulder pads and the pantsuits. They're a whole different species of woman. They exude wholeness, completeness, a new level of evolution to meet the present times and who they're being, the words they're speaking, the actions they're taking, have a strong impact on the betterment of this planet. As we move towards closing, I want to read some quotes from Martin Luther King Jr. that really enforce this message that I'm sharing today, that at this time in history for us to create a new paradigm of womanhood, we need to embrace being more like men. He said, human progress is neither automatic nor inevitable. Every step toward the goal of justice requires sacrifice, suffering, and struggle. The tireless exertions and passionate concern of dedicated individuals. Next quote, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times in challenge and controversy. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. And last, a genuine leader is not a searcher for consensus, but a molder of consensus. Now, what dream or vision are you willing to stand for, even to stake your life upon? what boundaries do you need to have in place to shepherd that dream into being what thoughts and feelings will you need to overcome to be the person you need to be in order to live this vision out what figures from history do you admire and why What structures do you need to put in place in your daily life to embody your expression of greatness? And in what ways would it be beneficial for you to be more like a man? All right, there you have it invite you to journal about these things, contemplate them, really just grapple with these questions and these concepts, and let new pathways of possibility open up for you in the process. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and I'll see you in a few days with episode three of this series. Thank you for carving out this time for yourself. If you're longing to live these teachings in your daily life, come on over to The She School at thesheschool.com. You'll get to read about our nine-month curriculum and how we structure the course through monthly classes and Q&As with me, she yoga and meditation videos, guest teacher interviews, and so much more. Remember, registration is only open once a year, which is right now. And our nine-month journey starts on February 1st. It will be an honor to support you in stepping into your strength, wisdom, and greatness in the year ahead. And if you enjoyed this talk, I and the women in your world who need it would be so grateful if you shared it with them. And better yet, if you leave us a review on iTunes. Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support. Thank you so much for being part of our sisterhood.